I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Ops and Audibles podcast post-game edition. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack, all three of us on today's show. Uh, Saturday night uh, in Eugene, Saturday afternoon in Eugene, wet, windy, and interesting. I don't know. I mean, Oregon wins 63-19. to 19. We kind of talked about this in the press box leaving the stadium to go do interviews. We talked about it afterwards that, like, 600 yards, 597 to be technical, um, 63 total points, less than 300 yards allowed, and yet we walk away and we're like, eh. like they played good, but eh. like I don't know. Like, what, you guys have the same feelings? I mean, I it's hard to get too down on this game, but it's also too hard to get like it's also hard to kind of for me to get like fired up to like wow they're they're great because they didn't play that good either i'm definitely not down i mean yeah you win this many points against anyone in conference and i'm trying to do the math here what we all predicted i think this margin is surpasses it's what bigger than everything else were. yeah i mean because I, I had so. you had 20 jared had 28 i had 38 and matt you might have actually matt might have actually been like 43 so this might have been very close to your number um in terms of margin so, like, yeah, I don't think you come away feeling disappointed at all. And I think it's impressive the way that they they responded to what was a about as crummy of a, like, bizarre first three minutes. Like, I don't know. It was, like, extremely chaotic that entire first quarter. My goodness. It felt like it lasted forever. All sorts of weird things happened. Um, and I guess my Would you like to know how ahead. long the first quarter lasted in real time? Go ahead. It's 50 minutes. 5-0. You could have told me it was five hours. Just because it just felt like it went on and on and on and yeah. weird thing after weird thing. There was a kick block. There was a couple weird. Tur- there were four turnovers in that quarter. Oregon had two touchdowns that were wiped off the board by penalties. But I guess what, what I would say is I'm impressed by the way they responded because that first quarter was a mess and Oregon was at fault for a lot of the things that happened that were negative on their side and yet. After being up 14-13, middle of the second quarter, they finished the game on a 49-6 to run, and it was extremely lopsided, and Oregon showed all of the good things that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and really the whole season during that stretch. But to Matt's point, yeah, like it, it was a very uneven performance because that first quarter was, we kind of talked about it on our Thursday show of like, you know, are they going to come out playing at their best? And they certainly didn't, and it 
it got in their way a lot. There were a lot of weird things that happened that I don't know if it's entirely their fault, but you come out of that first quarter going like, this is not what we expected. But the final two and a half quarters were about as good as you could ask. So weird game, like without question, chaotic at times, but they won by 44 points against a team that just played USC to a one-point game. And as we have saw today, USC is clearly not very good, but that's still a team that has a pulse, and Oregon didn't make them look like right. they did for most of this game. Yeah, I think the reason we come away from this game kind of like, eh, you know, is because that's exactly what happened. I mean, they, they beat the brakes off of Cal. Uh, other than the first quarter where, you know, if a couple things fall their way and maybe there aren't some penalties that were penalties or were not penalties, um, we're looking at this differently. I mean, there were a lot of execution mistakes, and Dan was very, you know, upfront about that in his post-game press conference, saying they they know that they can execute at a higher level and can play a much better game. Which, I mean, I'm down to see it because uh, 600 yards of total offense and 63 points on the board against a conference opponent, uh, one who's pretty darn good at offense, so averaging over 420 yards a game. They had 286 today. Um, I, I mean, they played really damn well. I think there's just a cloud over this game because of how the first couple of minutes went uh, or how the for, first quarter went in general because of the execution mistakes and the, the the penalties that really hindered drives. I mean, two, like Eric said, like two touchdowns completely brought back due to penalties, one on the block field goal and then the other on a Bucky Irving uh, touchdown, which all, both of those things, frankly, didn't end up mattering because Oregon went down the field and scored immediately. I mean, it was a second and or third and 37, second and 37, and Oregon gets a 47-yard touchdown to Tez Johnson, who was remarkable today. 12 catches, 180, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. Like, there are, there's a lot of positives to come out of this game. Um, I, I think the reason we're kind of like, eh, you know, whatever, is, is because of that first quarter. And to Eric's point, like you take that first quarter away, it's a 42 to six win. Yet another 42 to six win for the Ducks. Um, and I think that's important too, is just to realize like the defense stepped up and was was really good for a long stretch of this game. There were some moments, you know, the Jay not 20 yard touchdown out of half, but they were great. Offense was great. Bo Nix was a phenomenal day. Six total touchdowns. Like I just think it kind of all gets clouded, like it was today in Eugene because of that first quarter. But otherwise, I thought they played great and exactly how you'd want them to come out after. I don't know. It was a maybe a little lackluster of a performance against Washington State. Uh, I thought they rebounded and they get USC next week. Uh, the sixty-three points are the most scored by Oregon in a conference game since. November 25th against Oregon State when they scored 69 and they won that one 69 to 10. Um, mm -hmm. I think this one, I guess this, for, for me, this just clicked in my head of like how to explain this game. This felt like a classic mid, you know, the second or year three of Chip Kelly or maybe even the fourth year of that offense, that program where they didn't play even like a b-level game and like to jared's verbiage they beat the brakes off a team like i go back to those years and think like how many times did oregon just not play good for a quarter or a quarter and a half and then all of a sudden the tidal wave hits and you look up and you're like holy crap they're winning now by 28 points and it's they're still 
a quarter and a half left to go in this game. Um, that happened all the time. And this is like maybe the first time since the Chip Kelly era where you we've seen an Oregon team not put forth a, a its best effort and yet still just obliterate a team. I mean, the last eight drives for Oregon, seven of them were touchdowns, and the only one that wasn't was the first possession of the second half when they went three and out and they and they punted. Um really strong finish for Oregon there. Um defensively, like they didn't have Mateo in this game. Um and yet their pass rush was not impacted at all. I felt like Mendoza had very little time to to throw the football if they wanted to. Um, Jaden Ott is an NFL player, and they made him, you know, he had some runs. He had that nice touchdown run at the you know, third quarter to start it. But, like, he was held below what he normally does. I mean, they held, like, Cal to, like, less than half of what they do on the ground per game, just over 100 yards. Like, this was a pretty defensively, you know, they only allowed one total touchdown. And that's, like, three now in three three weeks. They've allowed three touchdowns. Um Two against Washington State. Utah didn't score any. And then one this week. Um, Bennett, or not Bennett, Evan Williams said last week that like, they're just starting to round into form here. And that's kind of what we're seeing. I think that's holding true here. The defense was pretty darn good. I think the count is now five touchdowns allowed at Austin Stadium all year. Like six now. It was yeah. five going into the game. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, that's not a lot of touchdowns to allow. It's good. It's like good. When you're, when you're in your back celebrating this, it's really game, good. It's really freaking yeah. good. I, I mean, I'm definitely think about. Think, go ahead. No, no. What, think about what? What were you going to say? Think about what this defense was last year. Think yep. about all all the games, uh, especially towards the end of the season, where they played these good offenses and uh, just couldn't get stops. And I don't think there's a drive today where you're like, man, I don't, I don't know, man. Cal is really moving the ball down on them. Like, yeah, it was the first one out of half, and then boom, made an adjustment. And that's what this team has done so well this year. Like, I know the, I don't know. I feel like we're gonna, we sound a little negative towards this performance, but can I, can I turn it? Yeah, of course. Go, me, go right for it. Let, let me, let me, as the, uh, as the mayor of negativity on this podcast, I am trying to get some positive momentum out of you guys. Let's, let's infuse some. Positivity, no, because I, I understand that, I, and and I think Oregon fans should be thrilled because this was actually the final three quarters. This was just as impressive as anything we've seen. But I, I where I want to go is Bo Nix. Like I don't even think we actually Good. asked Dan a question about Bo no. because this is a Bo Nix performance that just kind of gets grouped in with the rest of them. It speaks to how effing good this guy has been this year because you look at it today. Uh, Matt, sadly, your your uh, your prop missed your percentage quarterback percentage <laughs> didn't quite. Get yeah, there. not happy about that one. We we uh we, we forced you to to make it more difficult yourself, and and that worked for our favor, I guess. But seventy six percent completion percentage, season high three hundred eighty six yards. He had four touchdowns. He had an interception, and and of course, it's the very first play of the game. And and I think that was actually one of the cool parts of this was was the way everybody responded around him. And I want to get to some Tez love in a moment here, but I, I just want to acknowledge like Bo is continuing to, to play at a level that is deserving of Heisman trophy candidacy. 
without question. He had six total touchdowns in this game. He had four through the year. He ran two in. He made some Heisman plays. I, I think one of the plays you'll see on his reel when we get closer is, is that play, and I think it was the second quarter where he – Ducked underneath the d- defender who was jumping, still made it manage to get out of it, and then slung a sidearm mm-hmm. pass to the sideline to Treshawn Holden. Like that's just next level stuff. Ridiculous. Yeah, and we've seen next level stuff from from Bo all year, but that to me is one of the more impressive plays. It was kind of a little bit similar, I think, more difficult than the play he made in, in Salt Lake last week, where he threw to Troy Franklin the t- for the touchdown, where he had to avert the rush, kept his eyes up field field, and, and just delivered a, a rocket. So, like. I, let, let's let's get that Bo Nix Heisman Trophy candidacy thing kind of going here because you kind of come out of it today going, sure, Michael Penix, they handled business against SC. Um, if Caleb Williams wasn't already out of the Heisman Trophy race, I think he was. He certainly is yeah. now. They've lost three games. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a great day either. Um, Jaden Daniels at ASU, they lose that game. They lost. LSU. He also got hurt. Yeah. Um, so like there, there's just like some of the candidates around him didn't have have not had great kind of moments here. So like I, I I think you're starting to see like the national narrative really swing in his favor, which is something that has been deserved. It kind of reminds me a smidge of like when Marcus Mariota would put up these massive numbers. Like I felt like he should have been like a Heisman Trophy candidate in 2013 more than he was before he won in 2014. What ended up being a pretty lopsided awards race, but. Like, I thought he should have had more hype there just because of how well he's been playing. Bo, to me, last year, if not for an injury, probably has a little bit more late in the season. And then, strangely, mm-hmm. for most of this season early on, like, Oregon's running their Heisman Trophy campaign, and yet it doesn't seem like the national narrative's really picking up on it. And I think now you're going to see that fully in motion because he's having big game after big game. He hasn't had a stinker all season. The turnover today, totally not Wasn't his fault. fault. Um, like mm-hmm. he's playing, like these are spotless performances. And it's funny because after the game, you know, your people asked him like what plays were his favorite or what play stood out from the day. And of course he says the nine incompletions, uh, which is just a very Bo Nix answer to everything. Yeah. Cause he's always, and, and it seems like it might be a familial trait or he just passes on to, uh, to Tez because Tez was also very ho-hum after turning in a 12 catch, 180 yard, two touchdown game. We also had an awesome punt return or two and mixed in. And he was just kind of like, we got to work on clearing up mistakes. So um, I just, I, I, but I, I, one last thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop yammering. Um, I thought it was really impressive the way Tez responded because first play of the game, that interception is, if it's on anybody on the offense's fault, it's his. The ball was thrown well. He doesn't catch it. It pops up in the air. And there's Patrick McMorris for Cal to intercept it. And what happened after that? Just big catch after big catch, 48-yard touchdown. Uh, seven of his 12 catches went for first downs. He had three over 20 yards. Made some tough catches in traffic. Like, he just had an awesome game. And I think Bo said afterwards that that kind of sequence really was the story of the whole day, was the team's response and, you know, Tez had a moment that was regrettable, and what did he do? He didn't hang his head. He went out there. Bo went right back to him on the next drive for the for the go ahead score, and uh, and Tez really never looked back um, from there. Eric, your your point, um, I think it was maybe this week or maybe last week about like the lack of uh, secondary receiver to Troy Franklin. 
valid at the point. Um, but here's some numbers just to look at the last four games for Tez. 31 catches, 396 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, obviously, 180 of that comes today. Yeah. But you're starting to see the development of Tez as that secondary guy um, for Oregon this season. I think he's at 599 total yards receiving. And we're talking about a guy that after this big performance, it, it's going to be hard to replicate even half of that every single week. But Oregon's now on pace to have two guys over 1,000 yards at the receiving position. Um, That'll do. That Tez is starting to emerge as the secondary guy that you can kind of rely upon. And, you know, that's something that we've been wanting to see, the explosive, you know, the the development of a secondary guy. I think we all had confidence that he was going to be good. And Dan kind of talked about that today of, like, they thought he was going to be good, but it became very evident in practice in fall camp that he was going to be a, a playmaker for them. And he said the game plan today was to get him the football, which I thought was hilarious that Tez had no idea that was the game plan. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Coach, coach wanted me to have the football. I just did what I was supposed uh, to do. Bo also said that there was no game plan built around Tez. So make it up stuff then. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Um, and just to clarify my point slightly, uh, it was more of like the second outside receiver than sure, the secondary sure. receiver, but there's no question mm-hmm. that Tez is a fantastic number two for, for Bo. Um, and the routes he was running today, incidentally, are the type of routes that I was hoping you would see more from that second outside receiver because he is like the depth of target was pretty darn high on a lot of those in terms of he was running 20 yards, 30 yeah. yards downfield. Jared, you have returned from uh Yeah, oh, man, trouble. don't get me started, dude. My computer's being boneheaded recently. Every time I start up on Chrome and get into this, it gets all, it's all funky-dory. So, but I'm back. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have too much else to say. I'm just looking at the stats here. Um, I honestly, I really think Tez could have had an even bigger day. There were multiple opportunities for Knicks to keep feeding Tez and he didn't, but you know, it still resulted in first downs and completions over the middle, maybe to Treshawn Holden or Terrence Ferguson or the occasional Gary Bryan in there. Um, I think Oregon's wide receivers were just running wild other than Troy Franklin because Cal for most of the game had two on Troy and just tried to make his life very difficult. And they did by having him, you know, catch six balls for 79 yards and a touchdown. So uh, Troy Franklin uh, is inevitable. Um, He's Thanos out there as the wide receiver. Like he's just going to get open at points. And, you know, again, honestly, um, Bonex's line would have looked – way better if he had hit on two deep balls too. Um, that's the thing where you can go back in these nine incompletions. Like I can kind of see why Bonex is going to say those are the ones that he remembers because, well, it could have been uh, some bigger plays there. I know he, he missed uh, one over the middle uh, or one deep. I can't remember who, who it was down the left sideline, but it was, it was a missed ball. And, but it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Might've been Treshawn. Yeah. Just doesn't matter at the end of the day because he has 386 yards through the air with four touchdowns and then two rushing touchdowns on QB sneaks. Um, wanted to get in. Like, I really thought Oregon would go ground heavy, especially with the weather. 
the weather weather was, you know, it was kind of rainy at the beginning of the game, then was intermittent, but it was pretty dry from what I thought it would be. Um, Oregon still at 181 yards in the ground without uh, any loss, any sacks, or the uh, Tez Johnson got charged with negative 16 yards on the uh, on the fumble in the first quarter, which I thought was strange. I mean, I guess you have to give it to somebody, but Tez got negative 16 yards. So that stunk. That stinks for him. Um, but again, Bucky was still dominant. Uh, Jordan James only had seven carries, which was interesting, but you know, both of them were basically five yards a carry. Jordan James was 6.3. Like it's just an offense that has so many weapons. And, you know, this might've been a game where I know Oregon would never admit it, but this might've been a game where they Wanted to boost Bo Nix's stats because um, there were, I don't know, there were a couple moments of play calling where it's like, really, we're going to throw here three straight times and not just run the ball, but it works. It does its thing. Again, this is more nitpicking than anything else, kind of like the the first quarter nitpicks, although those were bigger picks to knit. I don't know. Those are big um, pits. Those are big pits. Yeah, big big ones of those. Um, but again, there's small things. I mean, when you're putting up 600 yards of offense against Cal, who historically has been a good defense this year, not so much. But that's a good day. 63 total points. Uh, your defense was phenomenal. Like, this is a great day for Oregon, um, especially going into the next week against USC, where you know they allowed 317 yards on the ground to Washington. So could be that that could be the day where um, Bucky and Jordan. Uh, go off and have the 135 yards each like I predicted beforehand. Um 7:30 kick by the way for that USC game that got announced yep. um mm. shortly after. Going to be a long night. You can, you can read that on duckterritory.com. What time the kickoff is, even though why would you do that right now? <laughs> Maybe these people are listening to the podcast. Give us some page morning, Jared. Give us some p- give us some page views. Please. Oregon eight and one now. Three games left. Two at home. One on the road. Um, there's not much more. I mean, are we? Have we covered everything that we want to cover? I mean, I'm trying to think of like. Uh, I had two two things. Okay. Yeah, I had, um, a, I had a couple more. I I just sure. wanted to highlight staying in the positive zone. Um, I thought Ty looked really good. Actually, mm-hmm. running the offense six for eight yep. had a touchdown to Treshawn. Treshawn had almost two touchdowns where he didn't get a foot down. That would have been a rough day for him, but he ended up getting one of them counted, which is good for him. Um, but I just thought I thought Ty looked really comfortable. Um, he made a couple of tough throws rolling out, which was good to see. Um, it, Dan said after the game that he checked a couple of times his line of scrimmage, which means that he's starting to learn from Bo in terms of getting up there and, and being decisive with what he wants to do. Um, I asked Bo after the game, like, how close is Ty to being ready to to make the, you know, if, if, if hypothetically the team needed to be his, like, is he ready? And, and Bo said, yeah, like, he's been ready. So um, we're going to have a lot of podcast conversations after the season ends about what Oregon's yeah. quarterback situation will be. This might be, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way if my sheet gets in there. He might not play much from here. Um but this might be a game we're referencing in like March, you know, talking about remember how good Ty looked in that fourth quarter against Cal? Cause I thought he was, I thought he was pretty damn good today. And mm-hmm. I think he's been pretty good every time he's been on the field this season. So like that was encouraging. And then the last thing, which is less encouraging, um, Camden Lewis kind of didn't have a great game again. And I don't 
want to bring yep. it up over and over, but I just think it has to be acknowledged because you know how seasons play out where sometimes you see these kind of things on the periphery that don't cost you games. Obviously, it didn't matter at all today. That's a 52-yard kick, which Dan did acknowledge. Like They were kind of in no man's land on the field. and Never should have tried that. He said the wind shifted, and he wanted to give Camden a try. But, man, that was – I'm done with the wind idea the from Dan. Dan yeah. Dan's brought up the wind idea every single time Camden has had a mistake. Which, oh. sure, maybe maybe it does affect it that much. But we're, again, we're here talking about it, and he missed another field goal wide right. Um, wasn't even close to getting it there either. Like that was no. well short. That had no chance of going in, and he had a kickoff out of bounds. Which yeah. again, that's like I brought this up weeks ago. Like that's the one where I'm more worried about because that's going to give an advantage to whoever you're playing. Instead of getting it at the 25, you get it at whatever it is, the 35, the 40. I think it's a 15-yard penalty. Like it's the 35, no, yeah. 35. So those things hurt. That that hurts on, to me more than a, a missed field goal does, like it did today. Um, but, yeah, it's we have to bring it up because it's a, it's a problem at this and, point. Um, and my only concern, and I know it's – I don't think it costs them a game, but it certainly costs them an opportunity in Seattle to win that game because if he makes that kick, there's a very right. good chance that game goes differently. It's just on my – it's on my radar here. I, I've been a huge Camden yeah. fan. I think he's yeah. an awesome person. We love talking with him, but he's not making kicks. And, again, today was a really long kick, so you can make excuses for him about why he's even trying it. But the reality is – they had confidence he could make it, and they sent him out there, and he wasn't even close. I, I don't think that was going to be good from 45 yards, maybe 40 yards. Like It was just not a good kick. So don't want to harp on it too much, but I think you have to talk about it. I just don't like yeah. it because it set him up to fail. And, this, and you know, like I had zero confidence he was going to make that, even get it there. And it creates the narrative or builds more into the narrative that he can't make kicks. when. Yeah. We wouldn't wasn't, be talking about it if he didn't kick right, the ball. Right. Yeah. Like that was just, I think, a poor decision by Dan to 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 do that. I get they were in no man's land, but either pooch it or pooch punt it like Bo does or go for it. Yeah, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but it hasn't been a good like last 10 field goal attempts for Camden. He's missed a, a good amount of them. And four. Not over half, or he's missed four, but Six, six for 10 is not exactly what you want to see from your field goal kicker. And yeah, like Eric was talking about with the Washington game, like obviously it doesn't win it for him, but it you know gives him a chance to win. And you can talk about the decisions that went into having to have that field goal at the end of, or at the end of regulation. But um, still, that was a makeable kick. Um, today was obviously less makeable from 52, 53. Um but it's definitely not trending in the right direction. Um, and this is something that, you know, we, like, you know, before the season didn't even think it would be a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no. here we are where I'm not saying it's like, you know, DEFCON 1 of a problem or DEFCON 5 of a problem, but uh, it's certainly something to be cognizant of. If uh, if down the stretch of the season, if we see Dan in, 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 a, in a close game, go for it on a fourth and five, a fourth and six from inside an opponent's territory, it might be because, well, maybe they don't have the most confidence in their kicker um, to go out and make a field goal, um, which, you know, based on the results, isn't overly surprising or wouldn't be overly surprising, but um, certainly well. something to keep an eye on. Um, uh, going back to the more positive notes, uh, I agree with you, Eric. I thought Ty looked great. Um, just 
just really happy to see Will Stein give him a chance in the real offense. Yeah. Uh, I think three fifths of the offensive line that was were starters. I think the only difference was um, one of one or two of the guards. I think Poncho was at center. Um, that was great. Uh, he looked good. Had a Gary Bryan. He found Trayshawn Holden in the back of the end zone. I can't believe that Dan went forward on fourth and three while up a million, but <laughs> that's kind of the thing. Um, I'm glad they went for it. I'm glad that they gave Ty the decision uh, and gave, gave him an opportunity to go for it on fourth and three and keep moving the ball down the field. Um, other guys look good. Jane Lamar, Dante Dowdell had some good runs there at the end of the game. Uh, Dowdell is, took a hit, kept on ticking. Uh, love to see that. I think, yeah, both of them were over six and a half yards of carry. That'll do. I know it was against the, the the backups for Cal, and it was with Oregon's backup offensive line. But um, always encouraging to see because those are the those are the next guys up. There's an injury to Jordan James or Bucky Irving. Those guys are right into the fire. Um, so that was encouraging. Uh, other things I had were were defensive. Um, but Matt, you you got anything? Um, I I'm not surprised by the fourth down call, like you said just to provide context why it's not running up the score. Typically you see coaches say like in these games, if it's in that like fringe punt, not punt area, they're just, Hey, we're giving you an opportunity to stop us. And I don't think they threw a deep ball. um, But I I think we typically see that. So I don't think that was Dan running up the score. Um, I don't know. You weren't saying that, but I just wanted Mm -hmm. to bring that. It was just, it was just surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, like they're up by 37. I felt like uh, no Mateo. Um, Dan said that he could have played if they really needed him, but they felt like they wanted to just give him a rest. He'd warmed up, but um, didn't obviously play. And I don't know if it's like it's not like a indictment on him, but his his absence wasn't noticed. I felt like the front seven was just really good. Um, and they're really deep. I did think it was pretty cool that like post game, Dan went into the usual, well, we didn't play good in parts of it and lots to clean up, but then he like quickly transitioned over to uh, how like he highlighted Ty Thompson. Um, he highlighted Zach Grisham. Um, and I think he highlighted somebody else too. That, Ross, like, Ross James, the punter. Yes. Like Bro. guys that, don't either play or don't get opportunities to to showcase their talents. And in this game they did. And guys made, you know, multiple plays and took off, you know, they were opportunistic of their limited chances to play. Um, you look at the, the the participation chart, a lot of guys played. Um, some walk-ons got into the game. Um, the last drive of the game i think essentially had all freshmen or walk-ons for oregon defensively on on the field um and i just thought that was pretty cool like he he made it a a big point to point out just a lot of guys that just don't get a lot of recognition and i'm sure that's uh gonna go a long ways in that locker room the ross james punt was like yeah unbelievable it's great um was it the only punt that he had no, he had two. Oh, he had two punts. Yeah. Uh, best punt, best Oregon punt since when? I really can't think of a, just like a better boot than that. Well, Mario always had like bad punters. So, like, no, Blake Mamoin was pretty years. good. Mamoin had 
good years, but like that was 64 yards and it also like coughed right, right inside the yeah. five. Mm-hmm. Like that's you. I don't think what are the odds that happens? You're on your own 33 and you pinned them on their other five like that, like with without like yeah. it bouncing and weird stuff happening. That was that was special. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the sideline when he came off the field? I missed it. He had like every single player basically mob him, which was pretty cool. As they should. That's yeah. the equivalent yeah. of like a eighty yard touchdown pass for a punter. Like it's just like yeah. it's perfect. doesn't get any better than that. No, like literally. Other than like converting a fake field goal. But might want to um excuse me. Check him for a concussion though, because Tez, like if you're on YouTube, you can see this. Like he sat there and went like this, like spread his arm way back and held it for a second, kind of like the wrestling move, and then whack smacked him right on the back of the head in celebration, which was pretty funny. He deserves um, it, man. That was good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Oregon 63, California 19. We'll be back on Monday morning with a mailbag, so make sure to send those questions in. Uh, and then we'll be previewing next week, all week, Oregon versus USC, which was once billed as the last time SC's coming to town for a while. Now it's not. Um, the game's kind of lost a little bit of its luster, but nonetheless, it's USC week. Uh, a lot of people are going to be fired up for it. 7.30 kick on Fox. Until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!